0: Hi, this is Rick Thompson, the pastor at Living Water Community Church. This is our podcast, and I want to thank you for joining us today. I hope this message builds your faith and blesses you. Please enjoy it. Good morning, church family. Good morning. And welcome here. I want to welcome you. I want to welcome those who are joining us online. My name is Rick Thompson. I'm the pastor here. Well, this morning, over the next few weeks, we're going to be start we're starting a new series that we're simply calling Christmas Unwrapped. Christmas Un- Unwrapped, and, and to point us to the ultimate Christmas gift that God gave all of us, salvation for all mankind. But there's also good stuff that goes along with it. We're going to be talking about that today and over the next few weeks, and particularly peace. They're asking where can they find it in a world desperately looking for peace. I think in all the wrong places. They're looking for peace in in parties. They're looking for peace in people. They're looking for peace in pills. They're looking for peace all over the place except where the Bible tells us where peace can be found. Luke chapter 2, verse 13, it says, And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God, listen, and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, help me out somebody, peace goodwill toward men toward men now it's clear from the very from the very heralding of the birth of Christ by God's multitude of heavenly angels that one of the gifts wrapped up with the birth of Jesus is not just salvation but but It's reflected in the heart of God and in in his intent toward men that he wants to have peace on earth, and his heart toward them is for goodwill, Amen? amen? That's what the angelic host said. But the truth is, although for a few, peace may be a reality, for far too many people, the Christmas and the holiday seasons, it's not a time of peace or joy or feelings of goodwill. It's a time of stress and unrest, a time of family discord. Don't raise your hands. It's a time of financial pressures that leads to depression, even despondency. They know statistically alcoholism goes on the rise, and domestic violence and even suicide attempts during this time of the year. So peace is a concept that's talked about but has eluded many people. My question to you this morning who are here and those who are listening online is simply this. Are you at peace? Are you at peace in your homes and with your families? Are you at peace among, in your own heart? And so for that reason, today we're going to be focused on, if, if the answer is no, that we're going to be focused simply on finding our missing peace finding our missing piece. It's like the puzzle where you ever get to the end of a puzzle and then all of a sudden there's a piece missing? What do you do? You don't just say, oh, no, there's a piece missing. No, you go looking for it. Well, this morning we're going to be looking for our peace the peace that, that God has offered to every single one of us. Now, the Bible makes it clear that the pursuit of peace should be a high priority for all of us. In the famous Sermon on the Mount that Jesus gave, also called his Beatitudes, he gave us a list of things that we should do if we want to be blessed. And the ninth on that list, he said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 9, he says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Now, the good news translation says it this way, happy are those who work for peace. God will call them his children. And so in this passage, it, it kind of gives us a clue as to how we find and keep that missing piece. He says, as it relates to our family and worldly conflicts, he's telling us it might take some work. It might take some effort. How many of you have multiple children in this room? Come on, raise your hands. Do they ever have conflicts? I mean, What do you have to do? do sometimes you have to step in. I remember when my kids were small and they'd get on each other's nerves and, 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 and all of a sudden, no, he did this, she did this, and all this other stuff. And, and, and you can ask them. I would make them come together, apologize, and give each other a hug. We're going to work for peace. And they'd do that side hug. And I said, no, we're going to do this right. You're going to give them a good hug. And now guess what they do with their kids? The same t- things. I to say it takes, work it takes work sometimes. Now, again, I'm not talking about the, the peace with God that can only come through accepting Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord. We're going to talk about that at the end of the service. I'm talking about a practical peace, that peace that can that that you can and do have influence over in your homes and in your lives and in, and, and your everyday interaction with the people around you. Jesus said, "Happy are those who work for peace." that God will call you his children. A peacemaker or someone who works for peace is someone who actively seeks to resolve conflicts. In other words, those who don't go out of their way to add fuel to a fire or constantly play the one-up games. And listen, as I'm giving this message, it reminded me of last week when I, when I quoted and misquoted the Jamaican parable. So I called my Jamaican family members here, and they said, this is how it goes, Pastor Rick. He says, if you fling stone in a hog pen, the one with squeal, I him it lick. And some of you are like, what do you say? And so Michelle interpreted it for me. She so says, the person who reacts the strongest to a generic non-accusatory statement is most likely the guilty party of the one most or the one most offended by it. I say that at the beginning of this message. If you feel like you're getting licked, God may be talking to you this morning. And so it's not that person who's constantly playing a one-up game and, 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 and trying to win the next argument. It's not that person at all. The Bible says happy are those who are willing to become instruments of God to bring peace into their situation and their their sphere of influence into their lives and the lives of others. Now, before we go into what a peacemaker is or does, listen, let me tell you what a peacemaker is not, and it's on your outline. Peacemaking is not avoiding. It's not playing the avoidance game. It's not running from the problem or pretending it doesn't exist. There are, there are folks who avoid conflict at all costs. When, when tension starts to rise, they're looking for exit. It reminded me of my daughter. When she was younger, they used to watch, I can't remember what the show, but it had a, a fox on there called Swiper. What was what, that show? Anybody remember? Uh. Dora the Explorer. And Dora the Explorer would come out, and then all of a sudden, the, the antagonist, which was the fox, he would always come out to try to save, and he'd come out behind things. And then, and then all of a sudden, the people in the crowd, was the, or the kids would start saying, Swiper, no swiping, Swiper, no swiping. And Brittany, God bless her, whenever she was in the room, the tension level would get a little bit too high for her six year old self. And, and the next thing I know, she's slinking toward the exit of the room. Every single time when Swiper Showed up. Well, there are people who are like that in, in real life. When tension starts to rise, they're looking for the exit, or they or they want to postpone dealing with the crisis. The problem with that that approach is sometimes it may work in in pursuing pursuing, pursuing or It might work in the avoidance game, but all you're doing is pushing the the can down the road. Come on, somebody. And oftentimes the problem doesn't go away. It just gets bigger, like the financial missteps we talked about uh, last week. When if, you're, if you have out of control spending or you have a gambling issue that you're not dealing with or your credit cards are out of control, pushing it down the road does not help. We see that with our own nation our, 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 with the financial debt going crazy in our country. Eventually, the chickens are going to come home to roost. And there's going to be a problem. So avoidance or pretending is not a healthy way to deal with problems. Peacemaking is not avoidance. And neither is it appeasement. Appeasement. When you always give in and let the other person have their own way, even though you know in your heart they're wrong, that's not peacemaking. That's called uh, passivity. You're not dealing with the problem either. And it only invites more of the bad behavior, not less. And so our ultimate example of peacemaker in the Bible is Jesus. And, and, and he, didn't, he didn't placate with people. He definitely, he, he definitely didn't practice appeasement. He stood his ground on a number of issues, especially when he was dealing with the religious people of the time. He would call them whitewashed tombs. He would call them Buddha, vipers, or the blind leading the blind. Why? Because truth matters, and there were souls who were at stake, and so he couldn't play the appeasement game during this time. And so he spoke the truth in love. Jesus was a peacemaker and caused us to follow his examples. Why? Because unresolved conflicts will do three things in your life. Number one, it has the potential to block your fellowship with God. It has the potential to block your fellowship with God. 1 John 4, chapter 20 says, If anyone says, I love God, yet hates his brother, he is a liar. For anyone who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. Anyone seen God? Come on. And he has given us this command. Whoever loves God, he says, must also love his brother. What is John saying? John is saying to the man or woman who claims to love God but has absolutely no love for the people around him or his church. He's saying you are a liar. He's not even mentioning words. He's calling you a liar because God has so ordained it that you can't say you love God and hate God's people in whose image they were made and for whom Christ Has died. That's a challenge for a lot of people today. They get so offended with the people around them that they take their ball and they go home. And the only person that makes sense to is you. If that's you today, he's saying you need to check your heart because you're out of fellowship with the people of God. People have broken fellowships and walked away from church and they're calling because someone in the church said something they didn't like. Or the pastor didn't shake their hand. He probably didn't even notice them. They come up with some reason to take their ball and go home. And then going home, listen to me, they walk away from their assignment. And they walk away from their call. And it doesn't just affect them. It affects their children and their children's children. Because now, because you've walked away, you've given the example to the kids. Your kids, telling your kids they should go to church Listen, your kids will do what you say. I mean, do what you do and not just what you say. Amen? So they've walked away from their calling. Unresolved conflict will also potentially prevent answered prayers. We saw this in the last series, 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 7. It says, in the same way you husbands must give honor to your wives... Treat her with understanding as you live together. She may be weaker than you, but she's your equal partner in God's gift of new life. Listen, if you don't treat her as you should, your prayers will not be heard. I didn't say may not be heard, it says will not be heard. Now, I don't know about you, but I don't want to risk that. I want my prayers to be heard by my Father. Amen? Matthew 5 teaches that reconciliation is a prerequisite for worship. 523, Matthew 523, so if you are about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, he says, leave your gift there in front of the altar, and go at once and make peace with your brother, and then come back and offer your gift to God. In other words, when when, when you come to church and you're ready to give, your offering, and you remember that somebody has something against you, he's saying, listen, leave your gift there and go get it right with them and then come back. Why, Why does he say that? Because there's no substitute for reconciliation. Listen to me. You're giving a little bit in the plate is not going to substitute the requirement that God has for reconciliation. Not sharing, not reading your Bible, not volunteering. These are not substitutes. If you're having a hard time getting an answer to prayer, listen to me, maybe you better check what's going on with your relationships. Come on, somebody. Because it will block your potentially your fellowship with God. Let me give you the third one. It can hinder our happiness. Job chapter 18, verse 4. It says, you are only hurting yourself with your anger Will the, earth, uh, will the earth be deserted because you are angry? Will God move mountains to satisfy you? These are rhetorical questions. What's the answer? <laughs> Help her out, somebody. In other words, what's he saying? Let me give it to you in the modern-day vernacular. The world does not revolve around us. Amen? And our anger and our fits of rage or whatever... It's not on your outline, but James 1, 19 and 20 says, Let every person be quick to hear and slow to speak and slow to anger, for the anger of man does not produce the righteousness of God. Listen to me this morning. Resentment is just dumb. Because when you, when you get resentful, it monopolizes your attention. That's all you can think about, what the other person said and what the other person did. And so you allow that person to kind of have free rent in your head and in your heart. And, and, and in the process, it robs you of your peace. And when you think about that other person and you see them posting things on, uh, uh, on Facebook or Instagram or whatever you guys are watching today, they may be having a great time and, and, who's it, and you're not even upsetting them. And in some cases, there are people I've met who are resentful of people who died years ago. Let me give you a word from the Lord. Let it go. So what's the solution, Pastor Rick? Well, Jesus told us what the solution is. We need to learn to become peacemakers. We need to learn how to resolve conflicts in our homes and at our work and at school and with our friends and with our family, especially, especially at Christmas time. Listen to me, because you might be sitting across the table from, from where Uncle Joe or someone that you disdain in just a few days. So how do we become a peacemaker? Well, I've come up with five things. And for the remainder of the service, we're going to talk about that. Number one, listen to me. Number one is we get to plan a peace conference. Write that down. Plan a peace conference. Matthew chapter 18, verse 15. He says, if your brother sins against you, go to him and show him his fault. But do it privately, just between yourselves. If he listens, you have won your brother back. And so what is he saying? He's saying, you take the initiative. I need to take the initiative. Don't wait for them to make the first move. Matthew 5, he said, it, he said the same thing. 5 verse 23, he says, so if you are about to offer your gift to God at the altar, and there you remember that your brother has something against you, what did he say? Leave your gift there in front of the altar and go at once and make peace with them and then come back. So it doesn't matter if you're the offended or the offender. He's telling us that the ball is in our court. Amen? Why? Why should we do this? Because Jesus said so. Because we're supposed to be the mature ones, we're supposed to be God's example on this earth. Go first. Schedule a sit-down, a face-to-face meeting. Conflict is not resolved accidentally. It doesn't resolve itself. And so we've got to be intentionally to deal with these things. And when should we do it? He told us. He says, go at once. Do it now. Do it before the holiday party. Do it before the death in the family. I do. I have funerals all the time. And when, when we have funerals, that's when all the unresolved issues come out. <laughs> and now you're in the room with them for the next few hours. Do it before the wedding. Same thing. Same things happen at those things. Don't postpone it. Because if you avoid or delay it, what happens? It only grows. Romans 14, 9. Again, not on your outline. It says, let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace. And beautiful mutual edification. Now, here's the rule. The longer I wait to resolve a conflict, the more difficult it's going to be to resolve it. Plan a peace conference. The second thing is empathize with the other person's feelings. Philippians 2.4 says, don't think only about our Own affairs, but be interested in others too and what they are doing. The message says it this way don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. So, what generally happens when we get upset? Who who are we thinking about? Come on. Us, me, my hurts, my needs. What they said to me, we don't really care thinking about the other person. Well, God says, reverse it. He says, hold a peace conference. And then think about what their needs are, what you can do to help them. Now, that almost sounds like what Jesus said. Matthew 5, verse 44, he says, But I say unto you, love your enemies and bless them that curse you. Do not do good to them and hate, that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you, that ye may be children of your Father which is in heaven. For he maketh his Son to rise on the evil and on the good, and he sendeth rain on the just as well as the unjust. What's he saying? He's saying God is good to everybody, amen? And he wants us as his representatives to follow after his examples. Number three, attack the problem, not the person. Attack the problem, not the person. You can't focus on fixing the problem And at the same time, be playing the blame game. Uh, Nothing will resolve. If you go into that meeting, I call it locked and loaded, ready to blame them with everything they've done, you've already defeated the meeting. Come on, somebody. Proverbs 15.1 says, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but a harsh word stirs up anger. Someone said it like this, engage your mind before you engage your mouth, or think before you speak. Don't criticize, don't condemn, and don't compare. Ephesians 4.29, do not use harmful words, but only helpful words, the kind that build up and provide what is needed so that what you say will do good to those who hear you. And again, concerning conflict in the family, or conflict with anybody, there's lots of resources out there. A good one to pick, I'm just going to give you one, is is Language of Love by Gary Smalley. He's the one that came up with the five love languages, and, and John Trent, you can pick that up. It basically teaches the right things to say during a conflict, and maybe some things we might want to avoid. That might be a nice gift to yourselves, a stocking stuffer this Christmas season. Let's go to number four. Cooperate as much as possible. Cooperate as much as possible. In other words, be a bridge builder, not a bridge burner, and go with the spirit of compromise. What, what can we agree on? What, what can we do together? Romans twelve eighteen says, do everything possible on your part to live in peace with everybody. Does everybody include the people in your home? Your family members? Yes. Why is there only, I'm only hearing three answers. Yes. Does it include your family? Yes. Listen, listen to me. The hallmark of a Christian should be our ability to get along with other people. It's not how, how much you pray or how loud you pray. It's not your, how much you read your Bible or Your ability to quote scriptures. It's not how loud you sing or how much money you give. It's not how many Christian T-shirts you own or the number of bumper stickers on your car. It's do you get along with other people? Do you get along with other people? That's the mark of a Christian. Jesus said it this way: By this they shall know all, all. They shall shall all men know that you are my disciples. What does he say? It's your love for one another. Again, it's not your T-shirts. It's not how many scriptures you can memorize. It's not how much money you put in in the plate. It's how we love each other. Do you love people? And and, and what does Romans tell us to do? It only tells us that our requirement is to do our part. Well, Pastor Rick, what about difficult people in my life? Those hard-to-get-along people. People. And you've heard me talk about them before. I call them EGR. What does EGR stand for? Extra Grace Grace Required People. And everybody has them in their family, right? Uncle Joe or the one that just talks nonsense all the time or whatever. I mean, again, if you're sitting here today and you can't figure out who the EGR people are in your family, It might be you. The truth is, you're not going to get along with everybody all the time because some people are going to rub us the wrong way. Some people are going to get on your last nerve, but God still requires us to do our part. What if they're nasty, Pastor Rick? What if they're rude? Listen, let them be, and you do your part. All God expects is for us to do our part, and here's your part. You ready? Do everything possible before God to live at peace with everybody. I didn't say it, that's what the scripture says. Pastor, can I just slap them one time? <laughs> no. Unless it's self defense. I will give that caveat. Do everything possible to live at peace, peace always has a price. If you want peace in your home or your marriage, there's always a price. Listen to me. It, it may cost you your pride or your ego or, or, your, or your selfishness. You're going to have to be willing to give in on some things. Your wife may be right. I know it's hard to think that. Your husband may have some have a point. Maybe your kids have a legitimate gripe. Maybe your parents do know what they're talking about. Where well, are my young kids not even paying attention? <laughs> You've got to give up your pride and your ego because the cost of it is the price of peace. The peace that God wants you to work toward if you're going to be a peacemaker. Now, I'm talking to someone out there today because there's the three most difficult words in the English, English language was this. It's the ones that, remember, Franz had a hard time saying Remember the fonz? The young people don't know who the fonz are. Uh, everyone my age and older. What was his, What was the thing he, he had difficult saying? I was. Roo, 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 roo. I was. Roo, 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 roo. I was. Roo, 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 roo. I was wrong. I was wrong. And the two after that is I'm sorry. Right? You combine that. It's I'm sorry. I was wrong. Five. Let's go for seven. I'm sorry I was wrong a lot. Come on, somebody. Somebody came up with the ridiculous idea that true love is never having to say you're sorry. That's wrong. True love admits its mistakes. Amen? Takes responsibility and says I'm sorry. Pride never says I'm sorry. Arrogance never says I'm sorry. And the fact is in relationships, you're going to get hurt and you're going to hurt other people, whether it's accidentally or intentionally, it's going to happen. But the Bible says in James chapter 3, verse 18, listen, listen. He says, and those who are peacemakers will plant seeds of peace and reap a harvest of goodness. In other words, whatever you sow is what you're going to reap. We've heard that somewhere before, right? So if you want people to cooperate with you, you, you've got to become a cooperative person. If you want people to be nice to you, be nice to them. If you want people to compromise with you, you've got to compromise with them. Because whatever you're dishing out is most likely what you're going to get back. Now, now it's not, this isn't always true, but but if you've got conflict in your home, somehow pr- you're probably dishing something out. Because it's it's literally... It literally takes two to, co- to have conflict. Come on, somebody. So you look and you say, well, what can I do? What seeds am I planting? And if you're always planting seeds of, of griping and complaining and arguing and, and hassling and putting down your, your, the, your, the people in your life, guess what? That's what's going to come back. Name calling. Whatever seeds you're planting is what's going to grow. And, and so what does he tell us to do? Start planting seeds of peace. Start planting seeds of compromise. You don't always have to be right. It doesn't always have to. You don't always have to win every argument. So empathize with their feelings and take the initiative, and don't wait for them. Go to them. Mark eleven and Mark five. One of them says, some, "If someone offends you, you go to them." And the other one says, "When you when you offend them, you go to them." Well, either way, you take the initiative. If you want to be a peacemaker. That's what it means to be like God. So what's the first thing we need to do? Help me out, somebody. Plan a peace conference. What's the second thing? Empathize with them. What's the, what's the third? And what's the fourth? Oh, someone's listening. That's great. Let me give you the last one. Emphasize reconciliation and not Resolution. Emphasize reconciliation and not resolution. Now, what do I mean by that? Reconcile means to reestablish a relationship. It does not mean you resolve all your problems. Oftentimes, there there's some legitimate, honest differences between husbands and wives, employees and bosses, men and women. Just men and women alone. Listen, there are, there are major differences between men and women. We... we We think differently. The average man, someone did the math. The average man speaks 15,000 words a day. The average woman, how much? 27,000 words a day. Some of the guys are saying, yes, pastor, we know. That's what prompted this guy to make this outrageous comment. Listen, Listen to what he said. Did you know that men are going to arrive in heaven 30 minutes earlier than women will? How? The Bible says it, Revelation chapter 8, 1. When he opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about half an hour. Where are you, where you going? Hey, where are you going? Listen, Pastor Sean sent me that. But seriously, when you say my husband just won't listen to me, you have to realize, listen, he doesn't have the brain capacity <laughs> to hold that much. According to this study, our little brains can only handle about 15,000 words a day. You've got 12,000 word, word excess that's flying right over our heads. Women are, women are more verbal. It's a fact of life. My wife, my wife would always ask me, she would say, come, I'd come home, she'd say, well, how was your day? And i say, well, most guys say, it was good. It, it was okay. And she wouldn't leave that alone. She, she, she'd always say, can I have some details, please? And so now i got to find 10,000 words, extra words. Now, when I ask her how's her day, listen to me, I need to prepare to break out the popcorn and the chips. I'm going to get a rundown. the same with my daughters. The same thing. And, 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 And if they just answered the way I answered, good or okay, I'd smile and I'd go about my business. I'd turn on the TV, I'd put my feet up, and I'd go. If they call me on the phone, oh, my goodness, it's a half hour debriefing. Now, listen, truth is I've learned over the years to appreciate it because in them sharing, it reveals their heart, and I care about their heart. Amen? And so now (laughs) I've become a good listener because of it. The fact is that there are honest differences, and many times you're not going to resolve them. Reconciliation means you bury the hatchet and not the issue. You might need to take a time out and come back and talk about it in the spirit of harmony. Or you can agree to disagree and peacefully move on with your lives. Listen to me. It's possible to walk arm in arm and not see eye to eye. Amen? You can have reconciliation without having a resolution of every problem because reconciliation focuses on the relationship, resolution focuses on the issues or the problems, and I'm not saying that the issues aren't important, I'm just saying the relationship is more important, amen? But if you, if you, let, if you let unresolved issues continue to build, though, your relationships are going to go out the door, and so your relationship with each other should be more important than the issue, but too often it's the other way around. And like an overloaded bridge, what happens? It tends to come crashing down. So now if you have a major disagreement on how to kind of raise your kids or how to spend your money or, you know, how often we're going to have intimacy in, in, in the bedroom, that's an issue. But if, but if you first focus on the reconciliation of the relationship, the issues over time have a better chance of resolving. And in some cases, it becomes, it becomes immaterial. It resolves itself, or, or at the very least, not, now you've got two people working in the same direction to resolve it rather than beating the heck out of each other emotionally. And so emphasize reconciliation and not resolution because that's exactly what God did for us. Did he wait for us to get our act together? Come on, somebody. No. Second Corinthians 5.18 says, All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Did you know you have a ministry? That you have a calling? That God models what he wants you to do? The synonym for peacemaker is reconciler. Are you a reconciler? One who brings people together? The Bible says that God sent Jesus Christ into this world to bring us to him so that we can have peace with God. And so he's the original peacemaker. And Jesus, we know, and we hear this term during this time of year, he's called the Prince of Peace. And what he's modeled, he wants us now to model with other people. Happy are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. God wants us to be peacemakers, but you can't be a peacemaker until you have peace in yourself. Now listen to me as we come to a close this morning. If you're looking to other people to meet your needs instead of God, when you do that, you're only asking for trouble because peace is not found in other people. When I'm expecting everybody else to meet my needs and and when they don't, what happens? I get upset and then we have conflict where God says I never intended for you to, to meet all of each other's needs or to have all your needs met by another person. There are some spiritual and emotional needs that only God can meet. And when you look to God and you have peace with God, then your relationships can get better. The reasons why some people have rotten relationships is because because they're at war inside themselves. They've not resolved the peace issue inside them. And they're asking other people to meet their needs constantly, and, they, and never, it's never going to be met. I had someone call me the other day, and they, they want relationship issues, and his life is in total turmoil. I said, brother, you've got to get right with God before you can bring anything to somebody else. All you're going to be bringing to them is turmoil because you're in turmoil. Get right with the Lord first. The deepest needs and questions of our hearts, the answers are only found in Christ. Now, how do, I, how do I find it? Well, the angel revealed it when he said, glory to God in the highest and peace and goodwill toward men. What was he saying? He's saying that at the birth of Christ, because that's where true peace begins. It's in acknowledging who he is. When we meet Jesus and we invite him into our lives, the Bible says he is the prince of peace. And this is what Jesus said. Listen, listen real close. John 14, 27. He says, peace I leave with you. My peace I give you. I do not give you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. He says, the peace I'm giving you is not like the world. The world gives and the world takes away. Not so with the peace that God gives. Jesus is a, gives us a peace that cannot be taken away, amen? amen. And it's an inner peace. It, 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 it's a peace that we can have in the midst of the chaos of what's going on, in the midst of the conflict, uh, uh, in the midst of things falling apart. We can still have peace. And that's the kind of peace that God wants to give us. Because when we have that in our lives then we have the potential to become peacemakers. Colossians 3:15. Let the peace of Christ rule in our hearts. Since as members of one body we were called to what? Peace. To peace and be thankful. Let the peace of Christ rule where? In our hearts. This is the missing piece that many people are looking for. The peace that rules and reigns in our hearts. Jesus came to offer peace first with God. And how did he establish that with God? He he pointed us to the fact that all of us have sinned and the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. You cannot save yourself. You are not good enough to go to heaven on your own merit. All of us fall short. And the Bible says the wrath of God abides on us. What we all deserve is death. But God sent his son as a peace offering that he would pay for the penalty of my sins and your sins and the sins of the world. And when I put my faith in him, listen to me, I now have peace with God. Now, once I have peace with God, he says, because of the blood of Jesus, now he looks at me differently. He doesn't just look at me and see Rick. He sees his son. He sees the blood covering me. And now the Holy Spirit can come and reside in my life. God does not live in in brick and mortar. He lives in what he has created. The Bible says you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when the Holy Spirit comes in, listen to me, he says, now what I'm going to give you is the peace of God. Hallelujah. Come on, thank you, Jesus. That means come hell or high water, and no, whatever's going on, he says, I will never leave you, nor will I forsake you. I don't want you worrying about tomorrow or worrying about this or worrying about that because I am with you. And in every and all circumstances, I can have peace. And so first I have peace with God, and, and then I have the peace of God. And then he says, because you have peace the peace of God, that peace can now overflow into the lives of other people. And now I want you to be a peace maker. Listen to me. That's what God offers to all of us. Have you accepted that? And as you're sitting here today, I'm telling you, some of you need to get on the phone and make a peace conference before the family outing, before there's a death in the family. And you might say, well, Pastor Rick, how how do I know? Are you still angry over the situation? Are you still upset about it? Is it still constantly ruminating? You take uh, the first step and and become and plan a, 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 a peace treaty. Well, Pastor Rick, what if they don't accept? It doesn't matter. All you have to do is what? Help me, somebody. Anyone's paying attention? All you have to do is what? Do your part. If they say no, God looks down and says, that's my son. That's my daughter. And now it's in their hands. That's all you have to do. Amen. Do everything possible on your part to live at peace with all men. You're not responsible for their response. I've done this multiple times over the years. I've known people come in conflict with me. And some things I've planned the, the, the peace meeting and they've accepted it. And some people, it, was, it blew up. They said no. But immediately afterwards, there was a peace that came out on this side. And as the Lord is saying, you did what I asked you to do. Amen. You did what I asked you to do. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall become children of God. So the question this morning as we come to a close is, do you have the peace of Christ ruling in your heart? Have you been looking for a missing peace? Do you realize that unresolved conflict will block your fellowship with God? It prevents answered prayer. It hinders your happiness. Again, if you're still stewing over it and frustrated over it, then it's unresolved. You need to deal with it. But it all starts with accepting Christ. First, I have to have peace with God for me to obtain the peace of God and therefore have that peace overflow into other people's lives. Have you made peace with God yet? If you have not, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in that peace. And that's the peace that was declared by the angels. Peace on earth and goodwill toward men. God's heart for you and me is to not be frantically searching for peace, but to find it in the one whom he sent. And his name is Jesus. Amen. If you've not yet accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, it would be my privilege and my honor to lead you in 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 a prayer. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes and say something like this in your heart. Heavenly Father, you know everything I've done. I'm asking you today to forgive me. Help me to forgive myself as well. And most of all, Lord, help me to forgive others as much as I know how. Lord, today I surrender my life to you. I, I, I surrender everything to you. I want peace with you. I acknowledge my sin and that I need a Savior, and I believe Jesus died for my sins and He's my Savior. I want peace with God, and I want the peace of God to rule in my my heart. And Lord, some of you need to say, Lord, give me the courage to plan that peace conference with whoever I'm in conflict with today. I I don't want to do it, but I know it's going to please you. And I want to be your, considered your child. So today, Lord, I surrender everything to you Thank you for your amazing grace and your love. Have your way in my life. In Jesus' name I pray. And we all say, amen, amen and amen. Thank you so very much for listening to this message. We hope you were truly blessed. If you were, please subscribe to our podcast if you haven't already and share it with a friend. Doing so will cause the seeds of God's word and the message of his love to spread like wildfire. So thanks again for partnering with us in this important way. Stay thirsty for Christ, my friends, until the whole world hears. God bless.